We turn now to the global economy, and just bear with me here. A report in the financial press this week perhaps said it best in the wake of that LIBOR interest rate manipulation controversy, where banks were manipulating the interest rates they charge each other to lend money on a daily basis, the LIBOR interest rate. It's been every bank for itself. That's a quote. Think of the Knight Capital Group fiasco. That's sent an every-investor-for-themselves attitude through the Wall Street markets. Is there a serious trust problem in the global banking sector right now? And might it undermine the financial system at the very moment it needs to be strong to cope with a recession and a credit crisis in Europe and slowdowns in China and the U.S.? Join us now, Jim Rogers, an American investor and the chairman of Rogers Holdings and Beeland Interest. Uh, Jim, first of all, welcome to the program. I am delighted to be here, John. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the banking sector. It's certainly the backstop for a lot of the troubles that are sort of demand driven in the global economy, recession, unemployment and the like. Um, Given the the problems that we've been seeing over the past few weeks, is there a a serious question about the health of the financial sector to to keep things going? Should things uh, become even more dire in Europe, for instance? John, the financial system was going to survive. It's going to be terribly weakened over the next few decades. But let me put it in perspective. Every few decades throughout history, we've had periods when the financial types were the masters of the universe, followed by decline, and then when the the drawers of water and the hewers of wood, the people who produced real goods, were, in, were the masters of the universe. In the 50s, 60s, and 70s, which will be astonishing to your listeners, Wall Street was a backwater. The city of London was not, it was a wasteland. Nobody went to those places. Then we've had a long bull market, but that's finished. John, finance is now going to be a terrible place to be. All those people who got MBAs made terrible mistakes. You're you're seeing massive competition in finance, huge debt in finance, and governments all over the world are very anti-finance, just as they were in the 1930s which is one reason Wall Street became a backwater once before. So it's finished. All the people who got MBAs made mistakes. They should have become farmers because farming is going to be the exciting farming, mining, things like that is where the excitement's going to be as finance goes into serious decline for two or three decades. Uh, Jim Rogers speaking with us from uh, Singapore. He's the chairman of Rogers Holdings and Beeland Interest Incorporated. Uh, Jim, do you have an MBA? No, no, no. no. Right. I'm not uh, smart. I'm not smart enough. Right. You're not a farmer either, though, right? <laughs> no, no. I'm not a farmer either. No, no, no. Right, well, but I went to Wall. When I went to Wall Street, I went to Wall Street in the mid '60s. It was a wasteland. I'm. I'm telling you, nobody went there. No, I remember uh, the the Dow. You know, at, at 700 when I was in high school back in the '70s, and people wondering if it would ever go over a thousand. Uh, there was no finance going on in the '70s, but a manufacturing decline really was only reversed when uh, the stock market picked up in the 1980s, and then we had the boom that lasted to the end of, uh, of the 90s. Um, what's going to make a turnaround here? And if the financial system isn't important, uh, are these scandals not something we should be terribly concerned about? We should be concerned. That's why Wall Street's going to be a wasteland again, just as what happened the last time we had big scandals. You know, in the 1930s, the president of the New York Stock Exchange went to jail. His name was Richard Whitney, as in Whitney Museum, as a fine old American family. 
you know, we've had these scandals before. This led to a long backlash. We're having another. Yes, we should all be concerned. But, John, you don't have to worry. There are going to be more scandals, more bankruptcies, more regulations, more controls, more taxes, and finance is going to be whipped into shape. It's going to be cowed. It's not going to be so exciting and successful. The big bonuses that we all complain about, including me, who's from Wall Street, uh, are, are going to disappear. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, where people might put their money in this environment. Uh, since investment banking and banking uh, have been combined through the deregulation of the last two decades, can uh, individuals who want to save their money uh, have any confidence that the bank that they put their money in isn't actually being traded in derivatives or on Wall Street? Well, as long as the U.S. government guarantees deposits up to a quarter of a million dollars, you're probably okay as long as the U.S. government is, is sound. Now, that's another question which we can talk about another time. I would put my money into real assets. Governments around the world are debasing their currencies. They're printing money. Uh, John, if, if you want an example, if I were a young man or young woman, I would, go, I would become a farmer. Last year in America, we produced 200,000 MBAs and the rest of the world, tens of thousands more, up from, by the way, 5,000 MBAs in 1958. John, you know how many people studied agriculture in America last year? 10,000. More people studied public relations than studied agriculture in America. We have a huge shortages of farmers developing. More people study physical education than study mining engineering in America. The huge fortunes are going to be made in the producers of real goods, and that's where young people should go, and that's where investors should go. Could uh, I do engineering as a backup if I didn't really want to be a farmer? <laughs> yes. Not that there's anything wrong with farming. John, John, there are other things. You could get the, 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 uh, the Lamborghini dealership in Iowa because the farmers are going to have money. If you don't want to be a farmer, sell them tractors, sell them sports cars, get a, start a chain of restaurants throughout the Midwest. No, the farmers are going to have a lot of money. Going to Boston and starting or, or going to Massachusetts and buying a lake house is absurd. Buy yourself a lake house in Oklahoma. Or start a chain of, of real estate properties in, in the Midwest. Well, I don't That's know, who, I don't know who, who's buying uh, lake houses anywhere in the United States uh, these days. Um, are interest rates going to stay this low? No, no, not, not for much longer. Uh, the market is going to force him up. Uh, Mr. Bernanke, who doesn't know any better, knows nothing except to print money. So he's going to print money. But, John, that is debasing the currency. Throughout history, people, when they just print money, you have to protect yourself by getting away from paper money and finding real assets, whether it's farmland or whatever it happens to be, silver, rice, whatever. Do we focus on the stock market absurdly? Uh, is it, is it, is it a, an asterisk as opposed to a real trendsetter here? Yes, John, you're wasting your time. The, the stock market has done nothing since 1999. That's 13 years, as you probably know. We've had many periods in history when the stock market has done virtually nothing. The place to have been and still is is in real assets. I mean, uh, commodities, and I hate to use the term because it scares many people, have done 500% better than stocks. That's uh, well, copper and gold wheat, and silver and wheat. And, and oil. I mean, things that you – everybody listening to this program – uses sugar, coffee, wheat, corn, rubber before they get to leave breakfast in the morning. And then you use gasoline and oil and zinc to get to work. But Jim, we Jim, I can't, I can't, I can't uh, put my kids through college on, on a zinc account, can I? Uh, John, let me repeat. 
Commodities have done 500% better in the past years than, than stocks. You're not going to be able to put them through college on a stock account. The money and is going to continue to be in real assets. John, Mr. Bernanke down in Washington right now is running his printing presses as fast as he can. Do you think that's good for the U.S. dollar? Do you think that's good for America? All right, Jim, no. help, help me out here. Am I listening to the wisdom of Warren Buffett in uh, the voice of Jim Rogers or something more akin to Ron Paul here? Well, you would have to ask both of them about their, their wisdom. I'm just telling you what I'm doing with my money. And so far, I have done – well, forget what I've done. I mean commodities have done 500% better than stocks. Even bonds have done better than stocks. Foreign currencies have done better than stocks. John, you're looking in a rearview mirror. If your listeners want to make money and send their kids to college or buy a lake house – they're not going to do it in the stock market, not for several more years to come. All right. But th thinking about trends, you, you don't want to go back to the gold standard or anything, right, even though currencies no. are weak? No, I have no interest. The gold standards never worked. I mean, politicians have always right. figured out a way to get around it, too, and debase money. You know where the term debasement comes from? It comes from the Romans who used to put base metal into the silver coins <laughs> until, right. they, became, until right. they became worthless. They That's became right. worthless. Oh, man, you are, you are full of gems this morning. Jim Rogers is an American investor, chairman of Rogers Holdings. So let's talk about what's going to pull things out of uh, this uh, global recession. I mean, if we go back to 1929 and the 30s, uh, really it was – the slow growth of manufacturing and agriculture in the United States and the rebirth of the consumer economy, which was then accelerated by World War II. That's what ended the, the Great Depression in the United States. If we're going to look for real assets, so we would need to look in local communities around the U.S. and also uh, the growth of manufacturing and the consumer sector in China, right? Well, Asia is certainly much more vibrant than the, than the West. I mean, the largest creditor nations in the world, John, are China, Korea, Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore, Taiwan. I mean, I don't particularly like saying this since I'm an American. You know who the largest debtor nations in the world are, and you know where they are. Look out the window, John, and you can see them. The assets are in Asia. The debts are in the West. There's a major historic shift taking place. But, you know, we talk about that quite a lot. What are the political implications of that? I mean, they also have all of their savings dollars in uh, U.S. treasuries. So in a sense, and this was argued at the beginning of the 20th century, in, in a sense, we're all in bed together here. And, you know, world peace is about to break out because uh, the debtors can't mess with the creditors and the creditors can't really mess with the debtors. Otherwise, their assets will go down. Uh, we're, we're we're stuck with each other. I hope that you, what you just said is correct. I hope that world peace is going to break out. Unfortunately, the way the world has always worked, it's gone the other way. The debtors get angry. Debtors get furious. They look for scapegoats, and they try to fight other people. But, John, you say what's going to happen. I would remind you, in 1918, the U.K. was the richest, most powerful country in the world. That's right. But within, within one generation, it was a shambles, and within three generations, they were bankrupt. They could not sell government bonds. The IMF had to bail out the U.K. in the mid-'70s. That's three generations, John, going from the richest, most powerful country the world had ever seen to bankrupt. Now, you're not suggesting that's going to happen to the United States, are you? And from your I'm safe position over there in Singapore. <laughs> I'm not suggesting anything, John. We're just talking about how the world has always worked. The United States is the largest debtor nation in the history of the world, John. Not the largest debtor nation in the world, the largest debtor nation in the history of the world. 
Now, no nation in history that's gotten itself into this kind of situation has waked up one morning and said, oh, well, that's behind us. Let's move on. It leads to problems. And unfortunately, most people don't seem to understand. Haven't They haven't read their history and they haven't read their economics. All right. Well, let's read some headlines, though. Are you concerned about this fiscal cliff where the uh, lack of action on taxes combined with the uh, sequestered spending cuts will trigger an even uh, greater uh, economic downturn in the United States over the next few months after the election? I'm I'm quite sure there's going to be economic problems in the U.S. and the world in 2013 and 2014, whatever causes it. Listen, John, if we don't cut spending with a chainsaw, forget an axe. We need a chainsaw to cut spending in the U.S. We're we're already the large, Our debts are going up at the rate of one trillion. That's with a T, John. One trillion dollars every year. Now we're already the largest debtor nation in history. John, I mean, you can figure this out. No, no, this I can. Not- I've done the I've done the math repeatedly, and I think you know we would suspect that they've done the math up on Capitol Hill. Is that an argument for Mitt Romney? Is that an argument for staying w- with the current course? Is that an argument for you know some sort of bipartisan? Hey, this is an emergency, folks. Well, as far as I'm concerned, a pox on both of their houses. I am never neither a Democrat nor a Republican. I am happy to tell you I wouldn't vote for either one of those guys. There's not any difference. One's from Boston and one's from Chicago. They both look at their programs. They're both going to continue to spend us into oblivion. I explained to you we're going to have serious economic problems in the next few years. These guys don't understand what's going on. Both of them are part of the problem. They're not the solution. They're the problem. All right. How does an investor look? You described uh, an upheaval that took place in the U.K. Three generations, it went from uh, the richest nation in the world to uh, bankrupt. How does an investor look at the possibility for serious reversals and upheavals in the U.S. economy over even the next five to ten years? John, no country in history that's gotten itself into this situation has gotten out without a crisis or a semi-crisis. I would suggest that people might just explore the possibilities that things could go badly wrong because in my view, they will go badly wrong. And you're going to see institutions and companies that have been around a long time disappear. Lehman Brothers had been around for 150 years. It's gone. Who's going away? Who do you think is going away? General Electric? Oh, uh, Harvard, uh, Stanford, uh, Mm -hmm. maybe Princeton. Yeah, I mean, you look at their balance sheets. Look what they've been doing. You kidding me? I I wish I could figure out a way to sell Harvard short. By the way, I went to Yale. I'm not just picking on Harvard for that reason. Uh, They've got serious, they've made serious financial mistakes up there. But you're going to see museums, hospitals, a lot of things we've known forever are going to be in serious trouble. Is that an argument to put the money in the sock in the mattress or to invest in gold or, or, or simply to just watch things more closely? John, you should not listen to some guy on the radio and, right. and get your investment advice. That's you should true. only invest in what you yourself know a lot about. I own real assets. I own foreign currencies. I have sold stocks short around the world. So that's what I'm doing. But don't listen to me. Please, please, John. Only invest in what you yourself right. know a lot about. If things get really bad over here, you got a guest house there in Singapore? <laughs> just extra bedroom, maybe? We'll, we'll take you in. We'll right. take you in. Thank okay. You. Jim Rogers, Thank you, American investor, chairman of Rogers Holdings, a freewheeling discussion there of the global economy, the predicament of the United States, and the fiscal cliff. Thanks, Jim. Thank you.
There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts.